0: And so, Father, this morning we open our hearts to you and we say, come and speak Holy Spirit, that we would hear you and make the adjustments that you've called us to. Amen. So, I always think a new year on a Sunday is a good thing, but it's also a bit odd because people have been out the night before and all sorts of other things. Not that anybody shouldn't be here because they've been out the night before, but they're holidays, and so it's one of those things that... um, But. I think it's a brilliant thing that we can come together on the first day of a new year to worship God, to put him at the focus and the center of everything that we do. And as we start today, the beginning of 2023, I can't quite believe that it's here already, but um, it's a day where people make resolutions, people make wishful, I don't know what you call them, thinking or plans that usually only last a few weeks. But um, uh, some make a big deal of it, some make not such a big deal of it. But I, I was reminded this week in preparing of the scripture in Isaiah chapter 43. And uh, a really well-known passage of scripture, but uh, (coughs) Isaiah 43, God's already reminded um, the nation of Israel of his goodness, of his sovereignty, um, that they are known and chosen by him, that they are loved. That he speaks about how he has protected them and provided for them. Um, when they walked in danger, he was with them. When they walked in fullness of life, he was with them. When they had, had lack, he provided. And just speaks of all of those things as you read through Isaiah 43. Um, and he speaks as to how precious and valued they are to him, which is what he says to each one of us as well. It's not just uh, in the Bible for the nation of Israel. It's for us. We are God's children, and He speaks those things over us. But from verse five, He reminds them not to be afraid, for He is with them, and that um, He is the one who led them out of Egypt, but also led them into the promised land. And then He goes on in chapter forty-three, verse eighteen. He says these words: Forget the former things; do not dwell on the past. See I am doing a new thing now it springs up do you not perceive it i'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland and then he carries on and you might say well that's kind of a predictable scripture to use on the new year's day well maybe so but it's the truth and I really felt that that's what God was wanting f- for us to hear this morning. And uh, Katie had a word during the, the, the worship of, um, you know, when you're in a helicopter or a, and from a, you have the viewpoint from above and you fly over a city or place, you can't really tell the height of the buildings or the size of things that are there because you're seeing it from above. But when you get down in the streets, everything looks big and uh, uh, some of the buildings look enormous. But from above, they look small. And God's calling us to, to gain his perspective of the world that we live in and our circumstances. That we might feel like we're on the ground and these things are enormous. But we look at it from God's perspective. He calls us up to look at it from his perspective. And nothing is impossible for him. Those things that to us look enormous to him actually are quite small. And so when God says here to the nation of Israel, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I think for us, it's almost like he's saying, it's not, it's not denying the past. Because he says, forget the former things. Those things that um, remind us of the, the pain or disappointment or everything else. It's not denying that. It's saying, don't dwell there. Even our successes in the past, he's saying don't dwell there. Because if you dwell in the past, you can never live in the present or the future. But so what God says to us here on the first day of a new year, don't dwell on the things of last year. Last year's past, it's finished. There's nothing you can do to change anything that happened last year. Goodness me, you can't even change anything that happened this morning before you arrived. So don't live there. Don't dwell there. Because if you live there, then your focus is is around those things. Rather than gaining his perspective and living for what is ahead of us. He says to them, see, I'm doing a new thing. And he invites them, can you not perceive it? Can you not see it? He's inviting us to come and get his perspective of what we face, of what lies ahead. He's reminding us, to look at him his goodness his faithfulness his grace and his provision and protection you see those things that point to God stir our faith those things that point to him increase our expectation of the things that are to come you see he's telling them to forget those things and, and the ways of doing things and, but look to him because he's doing something new He always leads us on, not backwards. He always leads us forward into greater things. And he's about to do a new thing. Do we not perceive it? So my my challenge for each one of us, or our question for each one of us, is can we today even say, God, show me what you're doing and give me a spiritual perspective of what you are doing and what's going on. Let me see spiritually what you're doing in my life, in my world, in our world, and our lives as a church. See, it says that now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in a desert and streams in a wasteland. And you might be sitting here this morning and you might feel that actually your life seems more like a desert. But God's promise is he's making a way in the desert doesn't say I'll take you out the desert he says I'm going to make a way in the desert so that you can follow in it and then he says your your life might feel like a wasteland but in the middle of the wasteland he says I'm making streams in the wasteland you see no matter where we are no matter who we are no matter what's gone on God our God walks with us he makes a way where there seems to be no way, where there's dry barrenness, he makes paths. But you see, in a desert, have you ever seen like a, a proper desert, not just a dry patch of land, like a proper desert with dunes that it is so easy to get lost? Why? Because there is no pathway. And even if there is, the wind blows and it's gone. Yet God says in the midst of a desert, I am making a pathway. And the pathway is for us to follow him in those things. In a wasteland where there's just muck and grime and everything else, he's making streams. Streams speak of fresh water, of the the life of the Holy Spirit to come and bring life to us. You see, if we dwell in the former things, or even the current circumstances that we face, we don't see with faith. We don't have the sense of expectations to what God is doing or what God has done or about to do because we're so consumed by those things around us. So if you use the word, that picture that Katie brought, it's like standing in the streets surrounded by skyscrapers and we can't see the way out. When I lived in London many decades ago, um, when I first moved there, the the biggest challenge for me was landmarks. When I didn't know my way around, before Google Maps and before mobile phones and anything else the biggest challenge was because london is quite flat and the area i lived in most of the buildings were all the same size height if you were in a street you couldn't tell where you really were unless you knew what the roads were called but if you're in a city where there it's it's undulating then you can see a landmark if you think of paris you've got the eiffel tower and you've got the sakuka and you've got all these other things that you look and think well i know where i am because i can get my bearings and sometimes our lives feel like that. We we like the we're in a street where everything is so high we can't actually see where we're going. It doesn't make sense. And God's saying, "I'm showing you the path. I'm showing you the way." And so today, as we start a new year, I'd encourage you: to take that word, forget what has gone before. Don't let it hold. Don't live there. So acknowledge that it's there because it's part of who we are. But God, I'm looking to you for you to make a path in the desert. I'm looking for you to sustain me in the midst of a wasteland. I'm looking to you to show me where to go, how to move forward. There's a scripture in Joshua chapter four that ties in with this, and it's, uh, Moses is dead. Joshua now is leading the nation of Israel, and uh, God says to them in Joshua chapter four that he is to get himself he's to get up and get the people ready for a few days they're going to be crossing the Jordan into the promised land the land that he's given him and he then goes on to give him instruction as to what's going to happen and how they to cross the Jordan and the Jordan was in flood and uh, God opens uh, and he, said, uh, he he dries up the Jordan and they cross on dry ground but God says this to them uh, in in Joshua chapter 4 that he, Josh uh, Josh is to take 12 men, one from each of the tribes of the nation of Israel. And as they cross the Jordan on dry ground, they are to pick up a rock or stone from the middle of the Jordan And when they cross over to the promised land, they erect it as a memorial to God's grace and to God's faithfulness and to God's goodness for generations to come. And it says that so that when the generations come and they ask you what this is, then you can say that is a memorial to God who opened the Red Sea and we crossed on dry ground and he opened the, the Jordan and we crossed on dry ground. He's the God who took us out of Egypt and into the promised land, his faithfulness. And I think also this morning, the good thing for us to do is, is to, to remember, not dwell in the past, but look back and say, God, show me the memorials. Remind me of the memorials of your grace. Remind me the memorials of your faithfulness that would stir our faith again and our expectation for the things that are to come. So we don't dwell in the past, but we do need to look back and say like this and say, God, show me your faithfulness. God, you were faithful then, you're faithful now, you'll be faithful tomorrow. God, you provided then, you're providing now, you'll provide for tomorrow. God, I didn't know what was going on then, but you showed me the way, and I'm here today, now show me for tomorrow. You see, there's something of the memorials of God's grace that I think we actually need to celebrate, each one of us. If you think of this last year of where you are today, there might be things that actually you wish never happened, but there are also things that you are so grateful for because God came through. Our last home group uh, of last year, we we did that as a home group. I said to them, come, and the previous week, I said, come to a home group next week with something that you are thankful for to God. Something that you're thankful for to God, for his grace, what he's done and it was such I found the evening so incredibly encouraging because our focus changed to God you are faithful God you did this God thank you for that and today as we look with God we need to look at the memorials of his grace his love protection and provision his faithfulness to us individually but also corporately and I'd encourage you to write them down speak about them You see, there are times where often we see in Scripture where God tells the nation of Israel, like this time in Joshua, set the memorial up so that you can remind, when people ask, you can tell them. There's Scripture after Scripture about we will tell the good works of God to the generations to come. You see, so often we can go through our lives and we see the goodness of God, but we don't give testimony to it. When people talk, they talk about the challenges they face and everything else, rather than saying, actually, let me be one who changes how I speak. Let me be one who, who mm, the first words that are out of my mouth are always the ones that point to the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the greatness of God so that we give testimony to him, where he's brought us from, but also how he's made a way and where he's taking us to. With God, you see, all things are possible. Whatever you're facing at the moment, with God, all things are possible. Whatever you have faced last year, with God, all things are possible. And his, our boundaries have fallen in pre- pleasant places, but we don't dwell on the things of the past that remind us of our failings, of our humanity, or even, or even our successes based on our abilities, but we to dwell on the memorials of God which point to His greatness. And to fix our gaze on him. And and he's saying come can you see what I'm about to do? Can you see what I'm about to do? Can you perceive it? God show me. I mean to focus on him. And the works of his hands. You might say but James you don't actually understand. You don't know what I've gone through. It's like that's true. Could be true. I might not know what you've gone through. But I do know God. And so because I know God and because you know God, I'm saying lift your head. Lift your gaze. Not on the, don't look at the things of the past. Don't lift your gaze and say, God, show me what you have. There's this incredible scripture in 1 Thessalonians that's uh, kind of echoed in uh, Philippians, but also in James and in different forms. And the context is that Paul, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, has spoken about the end times, the the times and dates of Jesus' return, the hardships that we face. He's encouraged them to build one another up, encourage one another, strengthen one another, help the weak, encourage the timid. Uh, He's done all of those things and calls them to be patient and don't pay back evil with evil but with good. And then in verse 16, 17, and 18, there's this incredible scripture. It says, Be joyful always. Pray continually. then he says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Often we would hear and we've read, Be joyful always, give thanks in all circumstances. But did you hear what it actually said? We put it another way, if we just switch the sentence order around. It is God's will for you and for me that no matter what the circumstances are, we give Him thanks. Because it says there, give thanks in all circumstances, for that is God's will for you. Not that we thank Him for the circumstances, because sometimes those are horrendous and they're not from Him. But what He's saying is, in the midst of all those circumstances, Fix your focus and your gaze on him. Thank him for his grace. Thank him for his provision. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his protection. Thank him for his faithfulness. Thank him for everything of who he is and what he's done. Rather than be drawn by those things. Because that's his will. Why do you think he says that? I think there are a number of reasons. First is because when... We choose, no matter what the circumstance we're facing, to fix our gaze on him and thank him. It changes our focus. It corrects our focus. It puts it back on him and who he is, rather than on ourselves or the situation around us. And as soon as we start looking for ways to thank God in the midst of, terrible circumstances we've got friends who lead churches and live in ukraine and are facing yet another war the continuation of that and then this week i saw one of the pastors who is in so it's the last church we went to which is way on the east so it's very close to the the, i mean they have they were having bombings and shellings when i was there last let alone now But in the midst of all of that, his wife, his daughter, and his son have moved to Germany during this time. The son's a teenager, so he hasn't gone back. But this last week, I just thought it was an incredible picture because there were photos from their church meeting this last week where his daughter got married to a local man in Ukraine. And his wife and his daughter had come back to this war, messed up place And there was an incredible moment where there was this beautiful bride dressed in white with purity and joy and everything looked beautiful in the midst of this incredible war where it is so horrific. And there they're celebrating, praising, worshipping God. And I thought that's an incredible picture. That in the midst of all of this, there's still the hope and the purity of of just that image of the bride and the bridegroom with us and with Jesus. So no matter what the situation is we face, if we fix our gaze on him and be thankful in the midst of that, to me, that's an incredible picture of his faithfulness, of just seeing it from a different perspective. God, in the midst of those horrific things, you are faithful. There is freedom, there is hope, there is life. And if we fix our gaze on him, we take it off ourselves and the situations around us. It gets our perspective right. The second is that it builds our faith. Because we can so often be faced with all sorts of things. And if we don't thank him and, and change that attitude of looking to him, our faith can slowly be eroded because the realities of what we face in the practical around us wear us down. But as soon as we start thanking him, again we start focusing on him for whom nothing is impossible. We get that perspective that Katie was speaking of, his perspective, which then puts it all back, saying, God, let my faith rise. Let my expectation rise for the things of the kingdom that you are doing, that you are going to be doing, as we seek him who is God for whom nothing is impossible. It gives us a different perspective and lifts our gaze from the world around us. And then we can say, God, show me. And our expectation grows. And then we walk into what he's got for us. And probably the biggest, and my last point on this, is that it changes the attitude of our hearts and minds. And if we're honest, that is probably our biggest challenge. It is so easy when things around us are going on that we can get sucked into those things. And then the attitude of our heart and our mind start being consumed by those things. And before long, we notice how we're responding in a way that's not godly. But when we choose to thank him, it adjusts the heart attitude for us. And we, as soon as we do that, then it goes from, God, look, I haven't got this. Why haven't you provided that? To look who I do have. And who we do have is God. And he has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, always to walk with us. He is the one that we have. So don't let the circumstances and the current situations dictate the posture of your heart, your mind, and your faith. Let your focus be on him. An attitude of thankfulness, of expectation, of faith that then changes our posture of living to one that is faith-filled and expectant for God to move. And he has carried us so far, he won't abandon us. He He has carried you. The fact that you are sitting here today is testimony to the goodness and the grace of God and his faithfulness. Why would he ever leave us? Because he's promised he wouldn't and he is faithful and loving. So today as we start, it's not a day of wishful thinking or our declarations of, I don't know, self-achievement and whatever you want to call it. But it should be a day of thankfulness. Thankfulness to God for what he's done fixing our gaze back on him and asking him to stir our faith again for what is to come and asking him to show us from his perspective what he has for us as we journey forward. Remember the memorials that point to his faithfulness and his grace and his love. And so we're going to end now, but we're going to end around a memorial. I know it's a funny word, one that we don't normally use, but it's a scriptural word. You see, when God told them to put those stones up in in Joshua as a memorial to his faithfulness, there's another thing that God tells us to do regularly to remember him, and that's communion. I think having communion this morning at the start of the year is such an important thing. Because in the same way, when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 the second part of verse 23 onwards speaks about how jesus gathered his disciples together and said that they were to he broke bread which symbolizes his body that was broken for them and he shared the cup then was wine we use grape juice as a as a memorial to his blood that was shed for us his body that was broken and his blood was that was shed and he said do this regularly in memory of me until i return you see, as we come to the table this morning, it's coming remembering the memorial of what God has done, that through Jesus' death, burial and resurrection, through the cross of Calvary, our salvation is bought, we are justified, we reconciled with God. That's what we remember. And it should stir our faith daily, that actually, because of the cross, we are forgiven. Because of the cross, we are loved and accepted. Because of the cross of Jesus, we have life. And then it's remembering today what he's done. That because of that God, today I can walk in relationship with you. But here's the other thing. He says, do this until I come back again. You see, the table not only points to the past and the present, but calls us to fix our gaze again to the day that Jesus returns you see, he didn't, wasn't, didn't die and get buried and left. He died, he got buried, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and he is coming again. And that for us to be caught up with him and for us to spend eternity with him. So even our daily lives, as we remember by breaking bread together, it's remembering his faithfulness for what he's done, his faithfulness for what he's doing. And with expectation, the faithfulness, he's coming back. See how that pattern is repeated through Scripture. But the memorials that God told them to put up in in Joshua was to show, which is a whole picture of our salvation, that God brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. He didn't leave them there. He took them into the promised land. So as we start this year, we can start around the table. Remember God's faithfulness, His grace, His mercy, His love for what he's done, for what he is doing, but with expectation. God, what are you doing this year ahead? Show me because we eagerly await your return for us to live with you for eternity. I'm going to pray then, Ella, if we can just put some music on in the background and then well, uh, I'm aware that some people do communion differently, but we've got juice and we've got bread. In your families or with in Commun- communion is be done in community, so with those around you won 't you take some bread and juice and break bread together and i 'd encourage you as you pray together won 't you just share one thing that you are thankful and grateful to God for today with those that you have communion with, so that today we can celebrate not just what it's, what we do around the table but also God I acknowledge that. You've done this for me. I'm expecting for what is to come. Can we do that? I'm going to pray then and I'll put the music on and we can do that. Father, I thank you that you don't leave us nor forsake us, but you walk with us. Thank you for everything that you've done in each one of our lives this year. Thank you that through the darkest times, you are the light that's guided us. Through the times of lack, you're the God who's provided. Through the times of danger, you're the one who's protected. God, I ask that today, as we fix our gaze on you, you would help us to see not only our lives, but everything in the world we live in from your perspective. That our our view would change. Our expectation would increase. Our faith would be enlarged. And God, we choose to walk your way, being led by you. And Father, we say you're doing a new thing. Can we not perceive it? Lord, this morning we ask that you show us that we would be able to perceive it. And Father, today we choose not to dwell in the past. Even yesterday, let us not dwell in those things, the good or the bad. But Lord, we set our focus on you the author and the perfect of our faith and we walk the path that you have for us. Lord, that we would be those who would live with grateful, thankful hearts no matter what the circumstance because that's your will for us. That we would live thanking you with a focus on you and your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that as we break bread, that we would encounter you in a fresh way today. Lord, that those that are sick would be healed, those that are in despair would find hope, those that are searching would encounter you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Ella. Won't you come help me